Did you know that July 4th is National Frying Egg on a Sidewalk Day? Yes, you heard that right. It isn't just Independence Day. For the last 100 years, people have been obsessed with this wacky idea. And it is possible, but it's not probable. You see, to be fully cooked, an egg has to reach an internal temperature of 158 degrees and concrete isn't the greatest conductor of heat. So you're probably not going to be frying eggs on sidewalks anytime soon. But many of us have heard that statement that it's hot enough to fry an egg on a sidewalk. And in July 2023, that seemed like it might be able to happen. Imagine stepping outside on a sweltering day, the kind of heat that wraps around you like a heavy, oppressive blanket. The sun is a fierce, unrelenting presence in the sky and the air feels thick, almost suffocating. In July 2023, this wasn't a mere figment of imagination. It was a record breaking reality. The hottest month ever recorded since people have been recording temperatures. A landmark that leaves us both astonished and alarmed. Why does this matter to me? Why should it matter to you? The answer lies in the visceral connection between the unprecedented warmth and the hard scientific truths that underpin it. We're not talking about mere weather anomalies here. We're delving into a pattern, a trend that the data starkly outlines. Are we being alarmists? The scientific consensus tells a different story, and I'm not alone. According to a 2021 Yale Climate Opinion poll, 72% of Americans think global warming is happening. 77% think we should be doing more to research renewable energy sources. How exactly is this happening? Well, to put it simply, heat trapping gases released predominantly by the affluent societies of the world are altering our climate. They're not just making our summers unbearable. They're shrinking our glaciers, shriveling our crops and increasing the frequency of wildfires that rage with an intensity never before seen. The findings are clear and they paint a grim picture of the misery inflicted by the burning of fossil fuels, often by those who have the least to lose. And the irony isn't lost on me. The nations that have contributed the least to this crisis find themselves on the front lines grappling with the fallout. It's a story that resonates with inequity, injustice and a haunting premonition of what lies ahead. This isn't really just about beating the heat either or finding refuge in the comfort of air conditioning. This is about a defining moment in human history, a moment that compels us to reflect, to question, to act. Are we merely passive observers in this unfolding drama or are we willing to confront the harsh realities that the planet is presenting us? So welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Humanity Archive podcast. I am your gracious host, Jermaine Fowler. And today I have a story from history that you may have never heard before. But even if you have, you've never heard it in the way that I'm going to tell it. This is a discussion on the hottest month in recorded history, at least to date. Now let's get into it.
no event happens in a vacuum. Context matters. And if you don't know what led to an event, you won't know why it's happening. And how it affects you and your life. The Humanity Archive brings you the full story. The story that isn't fully captured in the glossy, superficial stuff you find on the History Channel or Discovery or CNN. And believe me, I like those shows too, but I also like to go deeper. So I'm asking you to become a financial supporter of the Humanity Archive right now so I can continue sharing not just what happened, but why your financial support of just two dollars a month will make a difference when you move right now. And you can do that by pausing the show and going over to patreon.com backslash the humanity archive. Again, that's patreon.com backslash the humanity archive or find the link to support in the show notes. And this show is also brought to you by my debut history book, A Work of Black History, The Humanity Archive, Recovering the Soul of Black History from a Whitewashed American Myth. And you can pick that up right now on Amazon, Barnes and Noble or anywhere you get your books. It is often true that history not only provides a map of the past, but a compass to where we are headed. And so we go back then to July of 1995 when the Chicago coroner's office flooded with corpses. You see, temperatures had skyrocketed to 115 degrees Fahrenheit on Tuesday, July 14th of that year. And by the end of the week, 735 victims, mostly poor and elderly people of color, died due to the heat and humidity. History has called this moment the Chicago heat wave. Sociologist Eric Kleinberg, author of A Heat Wave, a social autopsy of a disaster in Chicago, said, quote, many people only had fans and open windows, which just recirculated the hot air. The city set new records for energy use, which then led to the failure of some power grids. At one point, 49,000 households had no electricity. Many Chicagoans swarmed the city's beaches, but others took to the fire hydrants. More than 3,000 hydrants around Chicago were open, causing some neighborhoods to lose water pressure on top of losing electricity. The heat made the city's roads buckle. Train rails warped, causing long commuter and freight delays. City workers watered bridges to prevent them from locking when the plates expanded. Children riding in school buses became so dehydrated and nauseous that they had to be hosed down by the fire department. Hundreds of young people were hospitalized with heat related illnesses, but the elderly, especially the elderly who lived alone, were most vulnerable to the heat wave. By Saturday, just three days into the heat wave, the morgue's capacity was exceeded by hundreds and the county had to bring in a fleet of refrigerated trucks to store the bodies. Hundreds of Chicago residents died alone behind locked doors and sealed windows out of contact with friends, family, neighbors, unassisted by public agencies or community groups, unquote. Over 700 lives were lost in the Chicago heat wave. Mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and friends and neighbors, lives extinguished not just by the heat, but by a society that failed to recognize their plight, that failed to see the inequality etched into the very geography of suffering. Back then, we didn't tie it to climate change. It was an anomaly, a tragedy, a wake up call. But the alarm was snoozed. The lesson left unlearned. But now we know better. Now we see the connections, the threads that 
weave that sweltering summer into the tapestry of our changing climate. The 1995 Chicago heat wave was not an isolated event. It was a harbinger, a grim foreshadowing of what is to come, what has come, what we saw. July 2023, a stark illustration of how the most vulnerable are once again the most affected. And as we stand here with the wisdom of hindsight and the knowledge of science, we must ask ourselves, are we listening? Are we learning? Are we prepared to face not just the heat waves of today, but the underlying currents that drive them? We find ourselves surrounded also by a different kind of heat, a heat of denialism and a refusal to accept the consensus of the scientific community. Take, for instance, and this is one of many conspiracy theories and arguments that have been debunked. There's one argument going around that CO2 is just plant food. Well, if you were in grade school biology class, you might think that too. Plants need CO2, right? More must be better. But that's a beautiful oversimplification. It's dangerously short-sighted, failing to appreciate the delicate dance of our ecological systems. And let me paint you a picture. Picture the earth swaddled in this thin, tender blanket of atmosphere, carbon dioxide. It's a part of that. It traps heat, keeps things warm enough for us to live. That's the greenhouse effect. But We've been stoking that fire, pumping out CO2 like there's no tomorrow. It's like piling on blankets on a summer night. Sure, the blankets keep us warm, but too many and we're sweating. We're uncomfortable. We can't sleep. And that's what we're doing to the earth. Yes, plants use CO2 in photosynthesis, but let's not forget they don't absorb all the excess we're producing. The oceans absorb a lot as well. What happens then? Animals that have been around for thousands of years extinct ocean acidification marine life suffering coral reefs bleaching it's a slow moving catastrophe not immediately apparent but nonetheless insidious it's a complex system and each action that we take reverberates with consequences and so in a world where numbers and statistics often become blurred lost in the noise of political discourse and daily life there's a certain mathematical reality that's emerging clear as crystal with an urgency that's nothing short of existential imagine if you will a scale of such magnitude that it measures in gigatons on one side we have the present the status quo the relentless march of industry and consumption pushing the global average temperature on an upward trajectory one that could see an increase of a staggering six degrees Celsius by the year 2100 if left unchecked. On the other side, you have the future, our hopes, our children's world teetering on a precipice, crying out for balance. The International Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC, laid down the gauntlet. They laid down the numbers in black and white. We need to remove to extract to pull back approximately 10 gigatons of net CO2 every single year by 2050. That's not a suggestion. It's a mandate. That's the toll needed to keep our global temperature rise under that line of the sand, that point of no return. Now, believe me, I know these numbers might seem abstract, distant, like stars in the night sky. But let me bring it down to earth. It's not merely a question of technology, of governments, of companies and entrepreneurs drawing blueprints and laying plans. It's a question of humanity, who we are and who we want to be. And this is not new all the way back in 1896. Swedish scientist Savante Arrhenius became the first person to imagine that humanity could change the climate on a global scale. 
So I wanted to bring in this episode the history to the current moment, to tie past and present with the current state of the earth. I, for one, felt the heat this July. I'm sure many of you did. And I think that we stand at a crossroads. And as a student of history, as a teacher of history, I think it's incumbent upon me to connect the dots and make sure that you have an understanding of how the past connects to the present and how it affects us today, which is what I wanted to really do in this episode and just kind of ask what path will we choose? And I think the answer to that question begins here. It begins now. It's in this moment. It's with you. It's with me. It's not just a climate debate. It's a human debate, a philosophical quandary that cuts to the very core of our existence and the clock by all available evidence is ticking. And that is our show, everyone, the hottest month in recorded history. Remember, the Humanity Archive connects you to the people and the stories you can't get anywhere else in a form that fits your busy life. When you listen to the Humanity Archive, you know you're going to be doing something for yourself. You're learning, you're expanding your understanding and connecting to our shared history. So remember, when you give two dollars a month to the Humanity Archive, you can be certain that you're making a difference. I'm asking you to support the Humanity Archive because I know you don't want to just know what happened, but you want to know why and the impact it will have on your life and our world. So head over to Patreon.com backslash the Humanity Archive. Again, that's Patreon.com backslash the Humanity Archive. Make sure you get the book, The Humanity Archive, Recovering the Soul of Black History from a Whitewashed American Myth. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I love you all. Stay curious. Signing off, Jermaine Fowler. I'll see you next time.